Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, big win for the Pokes last night. They got off to a slow start in the first half and uh, get a really quality road win at the College of Charleston. We'll we'll break all that down uh, before we get to the – I guess we got to get to mid-first first, but uh, big win for the Pokes. Yeah, it was. I did hear at the very end the announcers saying, you know <laughs> – this might make them a contender in the Big 12. And it's like, well, I'd like to get to like December before we, you know, start talking about that. But no, it it was uh it was good and you know, I think yeah, we'll get into all this, but I I think they're just a more, I mean, ob- this is obvious, but they're just a more complete team. They have guys they can actually bring off the bench who can contribute. They have freshmen who are good and they might not even have their best freshmen uh or their most talented freshmen right now. So uh, combined with Cade Cunningham officially signing on Wednesday, I just, I don't know, man. I, I had an OSU friend call me yesterday. We were talking, he lives here in Dallas. We were talking about some stuff and we talked about OSU basketball for 10 minutes. And I can't remember the last time <laughs> something like that uh, has, has happened with, with other OSU people. It's, it's a very exciting time. But it is. And before we do the mid first, uh, before we get to mid first, you mentioned Kate Cunningham. Um, he's already talking about raising banners. I know Gallagher. Iba. Did you see? Did you see the interview? Oh yeah, I oh ran. I ran almost the whole thing on the news. Gosh, it was, I was. It was. Um, I was dying. Like that just needs to be played on a loop um, to all tick like those those events where they try to get people to buy tickets. Just just play that on a loop. Yeah, and it's it's one thing for like DeAndre Glass to be like, I'm gonna win the Heisman. <laughs> and you're like, did you mean Chuba was going to win the Heisman? It's a different thing for a guy that's going to be a top three pick to be like, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to raise a banner. Are they going to win the national championship? No, probably not. I mean, definitely not. I think, but <laughs> uh, it's it's like he in basketball when you have a guy like that, that's he's that big of a game changer, and uh, I'm just. I don't want to – I mean, we've talked about this, and, and Marshall was talking about this yesterday. I don't want to hit fast forward yet on this year because I think there's a lot to be gleaned and it's going to be a lot of fun. But, man, this time next year, whoo, I'm ready. Yeah, it's uh, it's startling, really, to think about what will, what will return next year combined with not only Cade, but, you know, the rest of that recruiting class. And they're not done. I guess Mike Boynton, after the game, tweeted out, you know, great win, and we just got like all caps, great recruiting news. So there's there's more coming. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about mid first. We we'll get to the mid first five. We got a fun rundown. Uh, basketball, a little football, a little less, a little bedlam, early bedlam, pre bedlam, bedlam appetizer. Mm. Um, but, fir- but first, uh, mid first OSU credit card. You can sign up midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Uh, you can get, uh, earn a $150 bonus. You can earn points. Bursar, there's Bursar rewards options. Uh, they've got a lot of fun stuff going on there. And uh, it's a cool credit card, Carson. They've got uh, Pistol Pete on the front. Show off your school pride. Um, you know, four weeks ago, I don't know if you wanted to pull out the Pistol Pete credit card after OSU goes, takes an L in Lubbock, takes an L in Stillwater to Baylor. But, uh, but yeah, the... Uh, Good stuff from mid first, and uh, it it's a fun thing right now to be showing off your your OSU school pride. You can swipe uh, the the mid first card to buy basketball season tickets for next year because <laughs> I I gotta think they're going fast now that Cade's on board. Yeah, did you see he tweeted out for people to go buy tickets? Yes, he's like he's like the Pied Piper for OSU <laughs> basketball now. He's just like getting everyone to Gallagher Iba. <laughs> It's pretty spectacular. Uh, Are right, you ready for the mid first five? I can't get enough. Yeah, let's talk about. We could talk Cade for another hour, I assume. Seriously. But let's let's get to the mid first five. Uh, number one, 
I, you know, I don't know how much of the game you were able to watch. Uh, I know Marshall Scott covered it for you for PFB, but the first half, Kyle, was dreadful. I mean, borderline meltdown as far as they had 17 points, I think, with about you know five, six minutes left in the first half. They just they didn't handle the road environment well at all, Kyle. They were just, it was kind of like those spells in the ORU game where they were just kind of a little bit out of control, a little undisciplined with their shot selection. And um, it really was was pretty dreadful early on. And really, what happened was Dezagua towards the end of Thomas Dezagua toward the end of the first half just caught fire, just hit several threes in a row, and then boom! All of a sudden, the game's tied at halftime when really they were largely outplayed for most of the first half. Well, I, I, where do you land on Dizzy? There's there's a like civil war level battle being being waged in our slack about about dizzy about whether he's actually good or not where, <laughs> where do you land on our- i go back and forth on dizzy uh when he first got there and really his first two maybe even three years at osu i kind of viewed him as like a guy that should probably be at the colvin more than a guy that should be at galagraiba <laughs> it's just athletically he is just not a big 12 caliber basketball player but I've changed my tune in that he's turned into a real weapon. I mean, a guy that can shoot the three ball as well as he does, regardless of how slow he is laterally or up and down the floor or how well he can defend, that's something you can utilize. And I thought Boynton recognized it in the moment. This was excellent by Boynton. He recognized, okay, Dizzy's hot. Let's get him the ball. And he drew up some really good plays to free him up, and he hit almost every three he looked at. So I... I've come around on Dizzy. I'm not. I, he's not the cult hero that I think you know Marshall and, and Kyle Boone make him out to be. No, but, Ky- no, Kyle is Kyle is uh, anti anti Dizzy. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. Marshall's the one that's gung ho on, <laughs> on Dizzy. He, he's the card carrying Dizzy uh, member of the fan club. I, I get that. But no, Kyle, I, I've come full circle. I think he's a legit weapon and, and proved it against Charleston. The the funniest thing from our Slack last night was. Uh, <laughs> So I, I don't even know how we got down this road, but somebody, I think Marshall said, uh, you don't have to, are you, I, I don't, I shouldn't even say it cause I don't have it. Uh, let me just pull it up. I want to read it. Cause it was that, it was that funny. The, the Slack chat got a little out of hand last night. I, w- I will say with the, the dizzy, the dizzy fandom, but, uh, <laughs> so, he, he really, he really turned into Clay Thompson there throughout the game. So I, I understand why. So. Kyle Boone said you can't play in the NBA if you can't move laterally <laughs> talking about Dizzy because Marshall called him an NBA shooter and Dust and Dustin Ragusa said tell that to Sean Bradley <laughs> just out of nowhere I mean <laughs> he's just like not saying anything and then just off the you know from the upper deck of GIA tell that to Sean Bradley and then we went well, on Sean a, Bradley's seven foot six, so that's not a, exactly an apt comparison. I was crying; it was so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, Dizzy Dizzy's a weapon, and I think that the the problem that OSU's encountered for the course of his career is he's like your he's been like your number three guy, and the that's that's problematic for obvious reasons. If he's like your sixth guy, if he's like your fourth scorer and you can hide him on defense or whatever like that's great like be that guy but and this is a little bit of like the Keaton Page problem right of like wait he's your he's your number one guy you know and and it's it's a little different because Dizzy I don't think is a as prolific a scorer as Keaton was but if you have the guys around him and it's unfortunate that he's leaving this year because I think next year even more so he'd be able to thrive. If you've got the guys around him, then he's, he's great. Like he's great for your team and what you're trying to do in the big 12. I think at one point in the slack, it was thrown out that he was the best shooter in school history as well. Yeah, That's that, how that, out of hand things got RIP that, which, snake. which, you know, I, I have, I have, that's going to be my one interesting thing is, is addressing who the greatest shooter in, in OSU history is. I think you chimed in as well. Yes. Us olds had to defend, uh, had to defend a certain someone as best shooter, but no, Dizzy was was seven of ten from the field, all from three point range. He had seven threes. He had twenty one points, and really, I thought really kept them in the game when really the wheels were starting to fall off. But so the game was was tied at halftime at at thirty apiece. Not exactly an, an offensive 
uh, fireworks show. But really, Kyle, in the second half, they they came out and really just flexed all over College of Charleston. Obviously, Dizzy stayed hot. He hit seven threes. But really defensively, and this was a, a key difference in the second half versus the first half, Yorin A got in foul trouble early in the first half. He had two fouls really quick, had to sit almost all of the first half. And when he got in there in the second half, the defense really stepped up and they, they, they put the clamps down because Charleston only had 24 points in the second half. And, and OSU really just just blew him out in the second half. Isn't it crazy how much of a game changer uh, Yorin A is? Kind of on, on both ends, right? Like just how much he affects the game and how much you notice it, whether he's in or out. Well, I didn't realize he's their second leading scorer on top of being like the best shot blocker in the country. So yeah, yeah he, it was huge not having him in there. And I, I'd, I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention in the first half, actually before Dizzy got hot in the last two, three minutes, it was the Boone twins that yeah. were the best players on the floor for OSU. And really, I thought they actually kept OSU in the game. And uh, Caleb had a huge uh, slam off a of steal. You know, Keelan had some great minutes as well. And Really, Kyle, the, the Boone Twins, to me, are, are ahead of schedule. You know, mm. they came in very wiry, and you, know, you need to put on some muscle, obviously. But I'm starting to wonder, are we seeing, are we seeing what it would have been like had Joey and Stevie Graham arrived at OSU as true freshmen as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to upperclassmen transfers? I think they got there for two years, right? They were, they were juniors when they arrived at OSU. Uh, that... I, I'm not gonna say I'm not saying they're gonna be better than Joey Graham, who was a lottery pick, but are they on that path as far as development? Because they're already playing really well as true freshmen. Yeah, and I mean their development this year is is fascinating because you go and again, and we're gonna whatever we're gonna talk about next year because it's a big deal. You go likely and your your boy Avery Anderson, more developed players, likely potential NBA guy. You go Yor and possibly Thor, if they get JT Thor. Yor and Thor, I love that. <laughs> uh, and then you go with the Boons. You might have Watson back, who knows. Um, and then you've got maybe the, the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, that's like a that's like a real like Big 12 title potential contender. I just came up with the best nickname ever for Yor and Thor <laughs> off the top of my head. Let's go. You know, Thor is the god of thunder, right? Am I gonna am I gonna understand this? I think so. Okay. Thor is the god of thunder, right? Yeah. You know this. Yeah. Okay. Thunder and frightening. <laughs> like who who's coming in the who's coming in the lane with, with thunder and frightening? That's pretty dang good. It's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Yeah. So no, I mean they played well and and Caleb had the better game than, than Keelan this time. I I think we're already, you know, I can't remember who was better at Kansas between the Morris twins. I think it was Markeith, yet Marcus is better in the NBA. Or I think they've changed two or three times over their lives over who the better player was. You know, Keelan was the, the outstanding player who hit the threes early this season against ORU. Now Caleb had 10 points off the bench and was swatting everything in sight. Uh, they both had a block. Um, it's interesting that they've already just in three games traded off the better games. That, that's a, that's a really good sign. I think I need one to have like just a fro and the other to have a shaved head or one to have just total tat, like just all tatted and the other to not, I, I need something to differentiate them. Cause I'm, I'm struggling early. You don't, you don't need to do what the Marcus or the, the Morris twins did where they got, they, they got identical tattoos. Yeah. Just that's, to make it even more difficult. That's not good. Like they literally could trade, they could switch NBA locker rooms. I don't think anybody would know. So we need, we need a little more differentiation. I wonder if they've ever done that. Probably. We'd never know. Wouldn't that be crazy? It'd be pretty nuts. I, I doubt they have, but it'd be, it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, uh, really, really good win uh, on the road. And look, it's College of Charleston. I'm not going to get too out of hand here, but... I, I, you know, you said the announcers mentioned that they were Big 12 title contenders. I thought that's what they looked like in the second half. And again, all the caveats, it's the third game. You're playing College of Charleston. I understand it's not exactly going to Lubbock or around Fieldhouse. But just in terms of the pieces and just really, you mentioned it, that the depth is just readily apparent that they have now. And that's without, as you said, Marcus Watson, which is, I kind of forget he's on the team at this point, but no, they're, they're going to get him in the fold too. So it's, 
the depth to me gives them a real chance to contend this year. Do you think they are going to get him? Well, I think if he's not facing any charges, yes, don't you? Yeah, it's just it gets it gets um and we're not going to go too into this, but it gets messy with the Title IX stuff and I don't know. I think even if I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it it, it I mean, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this. Like it's good news for him that the DA is not pursuing criminal charges. That's like a that, that was uh, shocking i don't know if it was shocking but it was at least surprising to me marshall reported that uh when was that i guess last friday so six days ago and uh i think there's a lot of like on campus title nine student conduct stuff that he still has to um you know like that that is like a real thing like that that could end up in him you know who knows how it's going to play out but it certainly looks better for him now than it did this time a week ago. Yeah, and I, I guess I just I think that if if a DA doesn't see sufficient evidence to press any criminal charges, I find it hard to believe that a Title IX would would find that there is. I don't know. Maybe I was just jumping to conclusions. But when I saw him not facing criminal charges, I just assumed that he'd be back on the team, not this week, but – pretty soon but yeah. you're right the, the title nine stuff is murky and i don't know how it all really works i know o- oklahoma's dealt with it a few times with some football players and it's it's really kind of a murky situation that i don't really like to, to dive too deep into yeah and it's man that's it's been it's been hard to report because we're like well i i don't totally understand this i don't know if anybody totally understands it like the people we talk to are like i don't know like it's it's just yeah it's Anyway, we don't need to get into that. Um, anything else from from Charleston? So Oklahoma State, by the way, up to uh, number thirty five in in the Ken Palm rankings. You know they haven't they haven't really they haven't faced anybody in the top hundred yet. Oral Roberts was one seventy five. Charleston's one sixty three. They don't they don't really get into their schedule until. Uh, November twenty seven is that I think that's the day before Thanksgiving when they get Syracuse, and then um, after that they'll play, who who do they play the winner of after that or the loser of on the other side of that that deal? I don't recall. I think it's A and M and somebody. I'll have to look it up. But that's like their first. They've got Yale and Western Michigan coming up, so they should be five and zero going into Syracuse. Both of those games are at home. They should be five and zero going into Syracuse, and then. You know, you go out and win that, and you're like, okay, this is this is for real. So I'm, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I think it's going to be certainly a more fun year than last year was. Where do they play Syracuse? Is that in Brooklyn? Yes, Barclays. Okay, it's in Barclays Center, Mike Boynton's hometown. Uh, keep your paws off Mike Boynton, Syracuse. <laughs> keep keep your eyes elsewhere. Like that's the one job that would concern me about keeping my point. He's a, he's a New Yorker, and again, Syracuse is not New York City by any means, but it's certainly a lot closer than Stillwater. So, and it's obviously a, a blue blood. So that would that would concern me. Maybe maybe Boynton will throw him, throw him off the scent and lose that game on purpose. So they just <laughs> stay away. Or How maybe is- Mike Holder. Maybe Mike Holder will like. <laughs> Make sure they lose that game or something. So they've got uh, – it's not A&M. They played A&M last year. It's Penn State or Ole Miss. In not the, exactly two basketball powerhouses. The, so if they get by Syracuse, they're looking pretty good. That sounds like a sugar bowl from like the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> Penn State and Ole Miss? Yeah. Yeah. No uh, doubt. Okay. Anything else from last night? Nope, good win. Um, they they won with Urine only playing seventeen minutes and, and blew them out. That, that's great. That's a big big time road win. Yeah. Uh, it, you ready to talk some football? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Um, we're not. Uh, yeah, we're still on minute first five. We're not going to unis yet, right? Not yet. We're still in the first five. Uh, Les Miles making his return to Stillwater. We've talked a little bit about it, but not in great depth. Obviously, there was, you know, both guys, Mike Gundy and Les Miles, held press conferences this week and. And pretty pretty jovial memories, you know. Mike Gundy said they they butted heads a lot, but they they ultimately agreed and and really had a a lot of success, as he put it, moving the football together. 
Uh, what's your take on uh, Les Miles' return? Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it is, it, you know, it's, it's a situation where because Kansas is Kansas, I mean, they're not Kansas, Kansas, but they're still Kansas. It's a 17-point spread. I think you give people the opportunity to sort of pay their whatever respects, tribute, whatever you want to call it, to less without it being like, oh my gosh, like they're, you know, the, the opposing, it'd be different if he was at LSU, right. And coming into Stillwater and you're like, well, I don't, I don't want anything good to have. Like it's just, it, it, it has a different feel, I think, because he's at Kansas to where you can, as a fan, appreciate what he did at OSU, pay your respects on Saturday and, and whatever. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's so far removed. I, I think it's less less of a story, really, less of the, the nostalgia's kind of gone somewhat. But yeah, if it was LSU coming to town and more recently, then it would be a, a far bigger deal. But hey, it is the first time he's going to be coaching in, in Stillwater since he left. So it, it, is, it is noteworthy. For sure. Um, I just, it, it's interesting how he left Kyle, like guys on that team hate Les Miles for the way he handled it. And I don't know all the inner workings of what happened, but apparently in the locker room, he was flipping over tables at halftime when they were losing Ohio state saying, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> all the while he, he had like already accepted the job at LSU. So I, I don't think he handled his departure very well, but I can't. I don't think anyone can be downgrade Les Miles for taking the LSU job from OSU, especially when you look back at what what the OSU job looked like back when he left. I mean, the stadium was just about to start being renovated, but they were way behind in terms of facilities. And look, it's it's LSU, and he won a national championship. So obviously, that's a job you got to take if you're the head coach at Oklahoma State. And it worked out for everybody. I mean, Mike, Mike Gundy was elevated from offensive coordinator, and we all know what he's done at OSU. So it, it's to me, it, it's there's less nostalgia involved because it's so far removed, but it, I think it's kind of a happy homecoming because it, yeah. it kind of worked out for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. I, I do have a question for you. Do you take the, take the time out of it? So uh, Les was there for, what, five years, I think, four years? I think he was only there four years. Uh, Gundy's been there for 14. So take take time out of it. Who do you think has been more impressive as the head coach of Oklahoma State? Hmm. I would say Mike Gundy. I mean, to win 10 games six out of nine years at a place like Oklahoma State, I don't think it's enough attention nationally. Uh, Les did take over a much bigger rebuilding project. You know, Gundy, his big rebuilding project was was kicking off a lot of players and completely changing the style of football he wanted to play. That was the hardest transition for him. Whereas Les was taking over a, a program that was awful. I mean, losing, a, a losing program. And really did an unbelievable job and, and elevated them. Beat Oklahoma twice. How many coaches in OSU history can say that? I mean, going to the Cotton Bowl, let's see here. He went... Four and seven his first year, eight and five his second year. That's a remarkable turnaround. Nine and four, and then seven and five his last year. Lost in the Alamo Bowl. So I got to go with Gundy because Les never won ten games and was only there four years, and he won four, eight, nine, and seven. That's not exactly what my Gundy's taken the OSU program to another level. I think along with the facilities and everything else. Yeah, I think if you do look at so both of their first years were four and seven, which is weird because who plays eleven games, right? Um, and then Gundy just Gundy just took off. I mean, they they won more games every year until two thousand twelve. Um, so yeah, it. I mean, Les was a little in that Iowa State territory, right? Seven wins, eight wins, touch nine. Fris- wins. A frisky, frisky team that could beat anybody. Yeah. Beat any- Eat any sucker in the country, but but dude, it, I mean the Houston Bowl felt like the freaking Super Bowl at that time. Oh yeah, I mean I remember going to that against Southern Miss, and I'm like, this is this is unbelievable because you ha- you'd been to one bowl since since Barry since Barry played Wyoming in the Holiday Bowl. You'd been to one bowl in '97, the Alamo Bowl, the the Big L to Drew Brees and Purdue. Um, and that was the that was the only the Houston Bowl was the only other bowl, and they haven't missed one since then, other than 2005, Gundy's first year. So, 
I'm with you. I think it's Gundy, and especially looking at these records. I've got them in front of me now. Uh, I just, I don't know. I thought what what Les did taking over for, I mean, OSU went five and six, five and six, three and eight in Bob Simmons' last three years, and then Les beats OU, flips it into eight and five, nine and four. That was that nine and four team, oh three. That was a real, that was a good team, and you know they went nine and three in the regular season. So I don't know. I I think the job that he did in Stillwater was, was super impressive. And the degree of difficulty for Les was supremely higher than Mike Gundy because not only was he taken over for Bob Simmons, I mean, he was in the big 12 South when, when Texas and Oklahoma were playing for national championships. I mean, year in, year out. So the degree of difficulty was, was much higher. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Gundy's had to deal with a down Texas and still the, the 800 pound gorilla that is OU, but, but yeah. So, uh, Oklahoma state, a 17 and a half point favorite, Kyle, uh, what's your pick on this game or what do you think? Give me like a, give me like something to watch and then your pick. Yeah. So something to watch can do you know where Kansas is ranked in giving up uh, rushing yards, like rush defense per game? What, how many yards or were they ranked? Were they ranked out of 130 FBS teams? 128. 126. Oof. So good they, guess. they give up 235. Yeah, that was a good guess. They give up 235 a game. And uh, last time I checked, Oklahoma State has a running back who's decent. And uh, I I don't know. Like, I, I think it could get, like, that could get crazy early on. Because if – and we talked about this, I think, earlier this week. If Chuba goes, like – 160 in the first half and you're like oh my gosh like he he's gonna get to like 2,000 yards today you know he needs he needs 400 more so I think as you as you sort of like the trajectory of OSU season now is toward Bedlam and that's for the team that's for Chuba that's all these different things and I think the build-up to that of this Kansas West Virginia back-to-back where they could put I mean Chuba can do like whatever he wants against those teams, presumably. And I'm really interested to, to kind of watch that play out. Uh, the record for most rushing yards in a single game is 427 yards set by Samaj P Ryan yeah. against, against Kansas. Yes, I know. Now you're right. This is not the Kansas that we're used to and that they they don't have a pulse. They're, they're better, but you mentioned their rush defense. I think, um, I think that's in play. 427 yards. You think um, you think that you think the record's in play? I think it's in play. I love I, it. I don't think he's going to do it, but I, I don't think it's out of the question. So they gave up. Uh... <laughs> question is, if they get too far ahead, does Gundy just pull him, or does he just say, you know, go in the Heisman and just keep him out there? So they like, get... they, they anti Barry. <laughs> yeah, they uh, Big Twelve play. They gave up 192 to Can to uh, West Virginia. This is Kansas this year. 192 to West Virginia. 319 to TCU, uh, 268 to OU, 239 to Texas, 212 to Tech. And in their last game, they gave up 342 to Kansas State. <laughs> See, the floor to me sounds like 200 yards. That's I why I think 427 is in play. If he breaks off another 80 or 90 yarder, then everything's on the table. Now, now, I'm, just, now I'm fired up. Now I'm excited. <laughs> now, uh, I, my- I, I, go ahead. I just my thing to watch. Obviously, Chuba will be fun to watch. I, I want to see if this defense can really flex their muscles and and put together another stellar performance. You know, it's it's Carter Stanley, it's Kansas. I know Puka Williams is a good running back. I think that's the one thing you got to watch out for. But but this is a game where OSU's defense I think should really show out and, and prove that they're one of the better defenses, like they have in the last few weeks. Uh, so that, that's what I'm. At. I'm interested in watching that, and can the emergence of Dylan Stoner as the number one wide receiver continue? You know, he didn't have one touchdown until Tyler Wallace went out with the injury, and he boom, he had he had two touchdowns uh, last game out. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Can Dylan Stoner reemerge or continue to emerge as as the number one guy? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm thinking something. I don't think OSU covers. I'm thinking something like I don't know, forty to twenty-seven. Um, to where you, it, it's not like, it's not really in doubt, but you're not winning. I mean, it's not going to be like 2011 where they were up, you know, 56 to seven at halftime or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I, I would say somewhere around like 40 to 27. 
I'm going 48-17. Oh, okay, so you think it's a round. I think, I think they blow them out. That's, okay. that's what I think. I think they've really... They've really found something on defense. I think I think they're going to be trying to get Chuba the Heisman, and I I got to think they complete more than nine passes this week <laughs> with Spencer Sanders. So I, I I think that more than anything, I, I'm I think I'm gained a lot of confidence in the defense, Kyle. I think it's going to look a lot like that Kansas State game. They just score more points this time. So uh, by the way, so Chuba was off last week. The only player that's over three uh, that's over. Let's see here. The only player that's over. Th- the only, there's two players over 1250 other than Chuba or excuse me 1260 so one of them has played 11 games <laughs> this, wow. kid, this kid from Western Michigan he's got 1284 AJ Dillon for Boston College has played 10 games he's got 1451 Chuba's played nine games and he's got 1604 it's sick yet I saw Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin is still getting like votes before him in these oh, Heisman get, polls. Get the hell out of here! Like, what are like these people aren't doing their jobs? <laughs> like, do your job, guys. Like, uh, give John, me a break. Jonathan Taylor's got uh, he's got twelve fifty nine, so he's he's three forty behind Chuba. And here's the other thing, Carson. He's got a lot of carries. Chuba's averaging six point eight a carry. And Jonathan Taylor is barely over six a carry. So Chuba's almost got a yard per carry more than him. He's got more touchdowns. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to, what to say to people who are who are saying that. Yeah, it's dumb. The guy who's got a uh, the kid from Clemson actually has a a legitimate like ca- case. I would say more than and, and J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Both of those guys are averaging over seven a carry. And uh, e- Etine, is that how you say it? The, Etienne, Etienne, yep. uh, he's averaging eight point nine a carry, Oof. which is outrageous. I mean, that's a that's a preposterous number. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, you want to talk unis? Yep. Let's get to this week's uniform preview. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit dot com. Carson, you got a shout out this week from. Uh, the Oklahoma State uh, equipment staff talking about black, gray, black, talking about how you were hollering earlier this year and <laughs> they were ready to surprise you. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Justin Williams, who we've had on this podcast before to talk unis, uh, is done, I think has really taken OSU's uniforms to another level since he's since he's taken over. And <laughs> he knew I've been hollering about uh, black, uh, gray, black. I've wanted to see that since 2011. I was disappointed when they when they wore black, gray, gray against McNeese. I was sitting here saying, why wouldn't you just wear black, gray, black? You haven't worn that before. Well, little did I know that they had this uh, waiting in the wings. And he said, uh, I saw Cunningham at Channel 5 was wanting the black, gray, black. <laughs> we we kind of knew this was on the way, so we figured he'd be happy at by the end of it. Well, Justin, I'm very happy, and I appreciate the friendly banter. Uniforms are fun to talk about. I feel like this podcast talks about uniforms more than anybody, so it's it's a great uh, it's a great have little banter going back and forth with the equipment staff. But uh, I, I can't wait to see them. Can't wait to see the unis. So, in the spirit of this banter, though, Kyle, I I concocted a cursive Cowboys helmet I saw and put this. it on Twitter. I saw. What, it. What, what were your immediate thoughts? Well, my knees got weak. And, uh, I think that, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I think, I think it would be, I think there's a world in which if you did that, it could look weird or bad. So it it would, you'd have to be really careful with it, right? Like you'd have to do it. You couldn't get it too big. You couldn't get it too small. Like it, it would be tough to pull off, but if you were able to pull it off, oh man, oh baby, it's awesome. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of you know the Florida Gators. They have the curse of Gators yeah, on yeah, their helmet. That's a that's great the one. First thing I thought of, and I do wonder if it would look better on the jersey on the front of the jersey, just a smaller curse of Cowboys no, than on the I, helmet. I, I'd rather have it on the helmet. Yeah, I, I think it looks good. I think curse of Cowboys undefeated. You can put it on anything. <laughs> uh, put it on lunch boxes. Put it on <laughs> put it on posters. I don't I don't care. Just put it out there. But uh, Justin had a great reply when I sent him that picture of the Curse of Cowboys. He just said, one request at a time, please, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. So it was fun having a little friendly uh, friendly uniform banter, which uh, which I appreciated. What's this uh, 
what's this thing you have on here about about Saturday? Oh, someone tweeted me and asked the question. I, it's something I hadn't really thought about, but I think it's worth asking. Is you know they put out the promotional video for the the armed forces uniforms, the Veterans Day uniforms they're going to wear on Saturday, and it was just the black helmet with the orange brand. The question was posed to me: Is there a chance we see a surprise helmet, which I think would go along with everything we know about OSU's uniforms, right? They always like to to spring a surprise on game day. They like to surprise the players. Maybe they'll have like an American flag brand or an American flag pistol Pete. Mm. I don't know. I kind of I, I kind of agree with that that notion that perhaps we haven't seen the uniform in full that they're going to have a different helmet. I think it would be cool if they had the did you see the camo on the back of the on the back of the helmet mm-hmm. or the back of the jersey. Where is it? On the back of the helmet. Yeah, if they had that on the brand. Did um yeah that'd be cool. I, I'm, I think I'm down more for American flag brand than, than camo brand. Yeah. That's just me. But, but actually Justin Williams also replied, we had a nice back and forth, obviously. Uh, someone asked him if there's a, if there's a, like an uncle Sam Pete, did you see this? <laughs> no. Um, let an, me pull it up. An it, uncle Pete. Yes. An uncle, <laughs> uncle Pete. It is spectacular. I'm going to see if I can find it and send it to you. Okay, here it is. It's basically Pistol Pete with the giant American flag top hat that that uh, Uncle Sam wears. And his his chaps have stars and stripes on them. It's like <laughs> bow, it's bow, it's basically bow-legged Pete, but he's pointing saying like, you know, like <laughs> Uncle Sam's, we want you. I just sent it to you. Do you have it? I just got it. It's so good. Now, I don't know if this is a little too outlandish to put on a helmet, but uh, I didn't even know this existed. It's incredible. There's a Pete for everything. Some of my golf friends are obsessed, or like other golf riders are obsessed with how many Pete's OSU has. <laughs> like there's a, there's a, I mean, obviously golfing Pete, wrestling Pete, baseball Pete, tennis Pete. But Bass then there's like, Pete. do what? Bass fishing Pete. Yeah. There's like engineering Pete. There's fire department <laughs> Pete. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It's incredible. Um, okay, what else we got on here? Is that it for unis? Uh, I believe that's it. Okay. Uh, I guess we don't need a predictions because they've already put it out. But uh, I'll go with a surprise helmet on my prediction with American wow. flag brand. How I about like that? that. I like it. I'm gonna. Uh, I could they do like a like an all black helmet? Like all black? Yeah, like all black. And then like have the brand be like a different, this sounds so dumb and I'm going to say it out loud, like a different shade of black. Yeah, I know what you mean. Or just a different texture to where it stands out. Like yeah. a, like, a, like the metallic, you know, that metallic brand they've started using, put that in black. I I could see that. Like a stealth, called it stealth helmet. Yeah, the, the stealth brand. Yeah, I might, I like I might pick that. I don't know. Okay. I, I'm down with that. Um, okay, let's talk about mid first again, Carson. Speaking of uh, Im- impressive uh, organizations, uh, they are the JD Power JD Power highest satisfaction score for the second year in a row, and also Oklahoma Reader's Choice Awards. They were the best bank recently for the sixth year in a row, and had the best mobile app for the second year in a row. There's nothing I love better than a good banking mobile app, and. Uh, yeah, MidFirst has one. So check them out. Uh, thanks again to them for sponsoring, and thanks to you guys for checking them out. Uh, what else we got on here, Carson? Uh, time for one interesting thing. What do you got? I've got um, – what did I say I was going to bring up earlier? Oh. Bedlam. Bedlam. Pre-Bedlam. Bedlam appetizer. Bedlam with different colors. Mace Rudolph, <laughs> Baker Mayfield – Jake Trotter wrote about this for ESPN on Thursday, and uh, he said his headline was they're bringing their bromance to the AFC North, which uh, was pretty funny. I think people, I think especially OSU fans don't want to acknowledge the fact that they're like buds, like they're tight, you know? Um, But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, the Steelers are playing well. Baker and the Browns are not, so it could be some some bedlam revenge for uh, the last line in Trotter's piece. I'm going to read that to you, Carson. He said uh, he was talking to Baker and Baker said, uh, hold on, let me pull it up. 
he said, I think he's a, he, so this is Baker talking about Rudolph. He said, I think he's a guy that has a big chip on his shoulder, which is why we got along. He's more reserved than I am, but I'm sure he's looking for revenge. Mm. So should be, should be fun. Thursday night football. Yeah. I, Jake did a really good uh, job on that article. I'd kind of forgotten the connection there. I guess Austin Hayes knew Baker. Remember Austin Hayes receiver to OSU. He wore number 17, I think. Who, yeah, that's maybe that's when I was talking about the Charlie Moore era. I was I was throwing Austin Hayes in there too. <laughs> <laughs> the extended uh, Charlie Moore era. Yeah, it just keeps going. Uh, but no, I, I think he he brought them together and it, it was cool. They were they were hanging out on spring break. They had the old photo with hanging out with Trevor Knight and them on the beach. So that great story. Uh, it's it's interesting. They're all they're rivals in the NFL too. You know, the Browns and Steelers hate each other. They're uh, division rivals, so that that'll be fun to watch tonight on, on Thursday night. Who do you think is uh, who do you think is flexing the hardest in this spring break photo? Oh, definitely, um, definitely Trevor Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even close. Not that he has to put much effort out, but <laughs> definitely him. Uh, he's he's the one sucking in the gut the hardest. I feel yeah. like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we mentioned uh, for my one interesting thing. We mentioned in the Slack chat, Marshall's getting a lot of out of hand, saying Dizzy was the best shooter in school history. Yeah, you sent a picture of Randy Rutherford and said respect the goat. Yeah, and I said until Dizzy sc- hits eleven threes and Allen Fieldhouse for forty five points with a Big Twelve championship on the line, winner take all, then he you can say that. Which I didn't realize that. I looked up an article from Barry Trammell in nineteen ninety five. Rutherford hit 11 threes. He scored 45 points. We all remember Big Country got shut out. But I had no remembrance, Kyle, of that being a winner. It was the last game of the season. The winner would win the Big Eight. Like, not only did Randy Rutherford have one of the all-time performances in OSU history, one of the all-time performances ever against Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse, it was with a championship on the line. I had totally forgotten that. So respect the GOAT. Respect the good. I've got uh, I've got some stats for you, Carson. You didn't know that I pulled this up, but I've got the box score from that game. Does that interest you? Yeah. Rafe LaFriends, uh, four points, four rebounds. Greg Ostertag, 10 points. Ostertag yeah. had 10 points, 10 rebounds. Jacques Vaughn had 14, five boards, seven assists, and four steals. He was unbelievable. Is there anything more nostalgic for Big 8 era than Jacques Vaughn no. at Kansas? He played 39 minutes. Big Country played 40 minutes, 0 for 8, 0 for 2 from the line, 10 rebounds, no points, 6 turnovers. Oof. Unbelievable. Did you know he had 33 and 20 against them in the prior meeting that year? That's filthy. Yeah, so, 33 and 20 on Oster Tag. So how about this? Only three other guys besides Rutherford scored. <laughs> three? Three. Scott. Oh my god. Scott Pierce had seven. Seven points. And he fouled Dude, out. In Seattle. Yeah. And he fouled out. Andre Owens had eight. And he also had five boards, five assists. And Terry Collins had two. Cool. Randy Rutherford. 16 for 26 from the field. 11 for 19 from three. He went full <laughs> full clay, full Steph. Oh uh, two for three from the from the free throw line. Eight boards, three steals, one turnover. And this is back when people didn't shoot threes. No assists, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, he wasn't passing that game. So I've got some more stuff here. KU wins a big, big eight championship by one game over OSU. This was only the second title deciding regular season finale the conference has had in 50 years holy moly KU goes unbeaten at home 10th time in Allen Fieldhouse history at the time uh, Rutherford's 11 threes broke a big eight record his 45 points were the third uh, were the third most ever scored by a KU opponent cool. and then uh, country fails to score for the first time in his OSU career I we should do a uh, a ringer style rewatchables on that game. We should. And is that not is that not like the earliest case of squinky we've ever heard of? <laughs> like a big eight title decider in big country somehow the only time he's ever gone scoreless in his career was I guess he he might have gone scoreless against OU later in his career too, if I remember right. How did Norman? The, how did only three other guys score? I don't even understand that. How's that? How's that even possible? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously Randy went molten hot lava <laughs> on on Kansas and wasn't going to pass, but that's still remarkable that only three guys. Ever so, so the only other guys that played, so Scott Pierce was three for four. Rutherford had forty five, and then Keontae Roberts, Country, uh, Andre Owens, Terry Collins, and Jason Scare combined to go uh, four for twenty five from the field. Jason Scare. Now that's a blast from the past. Yeah, he played 11 minutes, two personal foul. He he almost had a, a club trill line. In club a, trill in 11 minutes. Yeah, I guess it would have been 11 trill. But yeah, so we all loved Izzy, but not only did Randy do that, he did it in an era in which people didn't shoot threes at a nearly the same rate, and he was still that dead eye of a shooter. Imagine if he, you know, Randy was really ahead of his time. To, to shoot to shoot 19 threes in 1995 like people like that's just unheard of uh would how would you how would you put uh where would you throw like joe adkins and james on and adrian peterson up against dizzy would you take those guys over dizzy well in terms of a three-point contest probably not in terms of basketball players yeah <laughs> Um, you would take James on over Dizzy as a basketball player. Yeah, I Dude, would. I rewatched the uh, the tech the KD game. James on was the best. I, we talked about this. James on was the best player on the floor for like most of the game. More than Bogan. Yeah, James on was unbelievable. He was so good. And I don't I even. Feel, you could have told me he didn't play in that game, and I would have believed you. I know. I, don't, I have no recollection of this. I feel like he gets a little. He gets a little lost, like in the the OSU archives. He, he was there during a weird time. He was a, he was awesome. Like he was a star. Mm-hmm. Well, he went from like role player on one of the best teams to ever play <laughs> to, to the guy the next year, you know, or one of the guys, one of the main guys. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wait, uh, he played against Kevin Durant. Yeah. I have, I have no memory of this. Yeah. I was at that game and that, I have no memory. That of this. game was like, uh, who uh, DJ Augustine? That the year, they didn't make the tournament that year. I didn't think DJ Augustine was in that game. You're making this up. No, I, I don't think I am. I don't think he played in that game. Hold on. <laughs> Let me pull it up. Let, let's go here one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And by the time we get back, I'll, I'll have, I'll have, uh, proven me wrong. No, well, I'll have <laughs> figured this out. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I've got uh, I've got James Ons. God, he did play in 06-07. Was that the year they played, Kevin? Yeah. God, yeah. I have no... For some reason, I only thought he was there like two years. Yeah, so it was... It was... So he's on the Elite, Elite Eight team. Uh, he was obviously on the final four team and then he, he was there. Oh, six, Oh seven. That's, that's totally right. You're right. I'm wrong. So I've got the game summary right here. So, uh, KD had 37, right? <laughs> God. Bogan had 37. Yeah. Bogan was incredible. AJ, Ab- AJ Abrams played 55 minutes. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, James on 10 for 18 from the field, nine boards, four assists, 28 points. He was sick. He played 52 minutes. Bogan played 54 minutes. What was James on the line again? Uh, 10 for 18 from the field, 28 points, nine boards, four assists. Wow. He was filthy. Yeah. He was so yeah. good. Uh, One of the smoothest jumpers I've ever seen. Yeah. And w- just watching that game, you're like, how does that guy not make it? You know? Yeah. I think he, he was a little... Much like Randy Rutherford, I think, was ahead of his time. I think if James Odd played in today's NBA... He'd have a much better chance. He was just, you know, the 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 spacing and the and the shooting now is such an emphasis. I think he would have thrived way more than yeah than he did back in 07. Yeah, for sure. This the last ten minutes of this podcast have been full like olds radio. So 
apologize well, for that, but this is well, well. Randy Rutherford is our Terry Miller, so we had to defend <laughs> for the olds. <laughs> let me let me find this box score real quick, Carson. By the way, our our Chuba over Terry Miller take has aged wonderfully mm, because tastes, Bill Haston wrote that Chuba's the third best running back. It tastes good. We it's were like ahead a, of the curve on that one. It's like a yeah, it's a it's a new wine that's already aged well. It's great. The Kermit meme with with wine. <laughs> okay, Carson, have a good weekend. We'll talk uh, next week. Hopefully, the uh, the Mad Hatter will have eaten some pellets off of the Boone Pickens turf, and uh, everybody should go check out our uh, our new shirts in our store. That I had to take take my promotion of that out earlier, but uh, check out the check out the shirts pfbstore.com we got some fun stuff in there. Carson, I will talk to you at the beginning of next week. Hang on one second. Oh, no. I got I to gotta play something in honor of uh, this week. Okay. Uh, let me uh, pull it up real I know, fast. I know what this is going to be. The original, the original James Harden meme. So good. <laughs> Let her rip, baby. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. See you, Carson. <laughs>